Hello and welcome to the Island Stories podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Hatfield. Three years ago, I came home to the island and started a new life, which really got me thinking. Each and every one of us living here has an island story. Last season, we spoke to some wonderful guests, each with an extraordinary story to tell. And this year is no different. So let me introduce this week's guest, tech entrepreneur Jeff Underwood whose award-winning Calborn-based business is on the island but has customers all over the world and his products fly high above international skies. The first question we always ask on the podcast, very simply, why the island? Ah, well, uh, I was born here. My parents came here in 1954, my father to come and work for a, uh, an aerospace company here. And uh, yes, born, grew, grew up here with my uh, three siblings. And who are you living here with now? Who's your island family? So I live here in Carisbrook with my wife, Amy. She has three girls, one, one of which lives on the mainland and two live here. And my son lives in Newport and my mum and my sister are all on the island. And you're a big old blended family. I mean, I love blended families because I have one as well. But when you were explaining it to me, it's, um, it's complicated, but lots of children, grown-up children. Well, my son is is dyed in the wool Isle of Wight <laughs> I don't think you'd ever get him away from here um, and he's got two grandchildren who are absolutely fantastic so uh, we spend a lot of time with them and then my sister um, lived on the mainland for a long long time and uh, she moved back to care for to help care for my dad um, who, who sadly passed away some years ago but uh, so she's now here and her and her husband are both islanders Again, who'd moved away, come back. And Amy, my wife, went to live in London. So it's a very sort of quite a common theme in some respects. Yeah. And we're in your home at the moment. Um, it's a wonderful spot um, in Carisbrook. Loads of space. And I'm just imagining kind of big family gatherings here, kids running around the garden, that kind of thing. Yeah, when the grandkids are here, it's uh, they're, they're a challenge, a fun <laughs> challenge. It's, it's, it's nothing better than watching them running around. Having having fun with our dog Mavis, yeah, it's, it's it's a great spot and it's so close into Newport. Yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't expect it. So being a coastal girl, I've never really thought about what it's like to live inland and live near Newport. I mean, how much do you still feel and get that sense of being on an island when you can't see the water? Oh well, we're just a few miles away, aren't we? I mean, nowhere is more than really, you know, a, a twenty minute drive, and uh, you know, we love nothing more than getting over to the west coast and and walking on the beach or up on the downs I mean it's just you know it's, it's spectacular really isn't it and I guess the advantage for you is that you can get to any part of the island in a sort of short space of time whereas for me if I want to get across to the west it takes a bit longer yeah that's right you're you're miles away <laughs> <laughs> and of course the Isle of Wight you know I always say the Isle of Wight an Isle of Wight mile is worth 10 mainland miles. So, so if somebody says, oh, I'm going to go to Benbridge, oh, well, don't know about going all the way over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long way away. Um, I just want to talk about what you do, because I spoke to you about this when I was doing my research into you, and I'd, I'd looked you up, and in the end, I just had to say to you, look, what do you do? What does your company do? Okay, so there are two, two parts to it. Um, the main part is we make equipment for in-flight entertainment systems. Uh, so we don't make the whole system, but we make bits and bobs. Uh, notably, things like USB sockets in little modules that go, go into the aircraft seats that passengers plug into and charge the phones. And also headphone sockets that people plug their headphones into so they can listen to the, uh, the entertainment. 
it's all the stuff that you sit on an airplane and you don't think about the fact that someone has to make it. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't <laughs> imagine that somebody based on the Isle of Wight would set up a company that supplies almost every airline in the world. Any airline you fly on, you're more than likely to have an IFPL product that sat in your seat. And then a year or so ago, we we bought a company called Cobalt Aerospace, and uh, they make mood lighting for aircraft. So all the color changing lights that go on the aircraft, we we're starting to do those now as well. So I, I can't really tell you how many people have suggested that I interview you for the podcast, and we'd never met before today, no. which is unusual because often I've, I've met you know I've met guests before, I know them from somewhere, but so many people kept saying you've got to talk to Jeff Underwood, he is Mister Isle of Wight. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that's so surprising for me is you know I, I know the island really really well, but I had no idea that we were manufacturing at on such a scale techie products here on the island it's it's really good to hear oh yeah I mean the island you know we are absolutely blessed it, it, it's it's one of those things I, I remember growing up uh, as a young lad and having the option of sort of three or four large companies on the island like you know what is now GKM Westland uh, and, and BA system so GKM Westland do make composites they used to make hovercraft um prior to that they did the uh the rocket that that you've probably heard about um which is what brought my dad to the island to work on that rocket program um but uh yeah we had sort of three or four big companies we could choose from um and not so many small companies now it's kind of reversed a bit so there are lots of small engineering companies there are probably in excess of 40 technology companies on the island that you probably don't know about yeah um, I have no idea including ours you know employing <laughs> sort of 50 or so people hidden behind a hedge in places like <laughs> Calbourne so uh, yeah and there's some amazing technology going on here yeah I want to talk about that in just a little in just a little while because I know that you head up a group of bringing all those companies together but just to find out a bit more so you just said you employ what, between 50 and 60 people um you started in 2006 so you've been going for 17 years now we actually started a, a lot earlier than that um when when I I used to work for a company called Marconi and uh, based in Portsmouth and when they closed the doors I decided to carry on doing what I was doing uh, more as a consultant, really. Yeah. Um, but then I sort of decided to get into manufacturing and start actually making the products. And then it was around about 2006 when that side of things really took off. I see. Okay. And what was it about being on the island that you thought, okay, I can really make this work? Or, or has it grown much more than you anticipated? It has. I think that's fair to say. I don't think I started the business you know, with, with the sole intention of sort of creating this manufacturing company. Um, really, I, I, I've attacked it from a viewpoint of sort of problem solving. That's, I'm an engineer, you know, I like, I like solving problems. And so really the idea was to sort of just create something that allowed me to do the things I like doing. Um, but, you know, the manufacturing side has allowed it to scale and become a much bigger entity. So I found out you make 250,000 units a year. Is yeah. that, that's probably out of date now as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, with the pandemic, everything went 
went pear shaped. So we won't we won't count the last few years. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, we were prior to the pandemic, we were producing about two hundred and fifty thousand a year. We've got something like three million products out there uh, installed on aircraft. Flying high above the sky. Flying high. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. You've been quoted as saying it would make more sense for us to be based on the west coast of the USA. Yeah. Is that something that you that you feel acutely or is that just... No, I, I, I mean, I think 25 years have proven otherwise. Um, I mean, I set the company up on the Isle of Wight because it could be anywhere. Sensibly, our customer base is all on the west coast of the USA. That's where the big sort of players are with systems and things like that. But yeah, we've proven to be successful based here. Do your staff have to work strange hours? Do they have to be available in the evening? Just thinking about the time zone differences, is that part of it? Well, it certainly used to be the case. I I used to start work at sort of four o'clock in the afternoon and work till about two in the morning. sitting on the phone talking to my my customers um but that that's that sort of settled down so yes we do a little bit of of odd hours um but uh but once you're into that kind of groove you know you understand and you know how everything works and it, it it's fine one of the other challenges of being on the island is always recruitment and we've seen that from hospitality teaching staff nursing staff how much does that affect you in your business, trying to find engineers, tech people? Yeah, that's a challenge. I think it's driven by this problem that a lot of coastal communities see, which is, you know, young people grow up, particularly if they're going to go into a, a sort of an academic type of career, then they move away to go to university and then maybe don't come back, possibly until they're a lot older and maybe want to settle down with young families so yeah we do struggle to recruit on the flip side of that when you do recruit people we have a very low turnover of staff so you have that loyalty people will stay and so you can develop the people is that because they've come to the island and then they work out just like we all have how brilliant it is yeah I think <laughs> that's they don't want to leave yeah i think so what we're doing to try and address that is if we try and develop within so we take young people who want to go through say an apprenticeship program then we'll we'll encourage them and and develop them that way and the apprentice programs now are so good you can move up through into degree level so it, it's a good good system yeah. and do you recruit from island island schools island college yeah typically colleges yeah um but we do we do have people you know that we've we've recruited from the mainland um with some some level of success and we've got one or two commuters but it, it it is fair to say that the island has a sort of bit of a dearth of that professional and managerial level of, of skill as long as you acknowledge that you work around it and and as i say you develop the people and what kind of things do you think we could be doing better as an island to try and entice people or do you see that as part of your business's job to try and get people down clearly it's it's my own problem that i have to solve along with everybody else one of the issues on the island is that a lot of people aren't aware that there are the opportunities that there really are like i said you know there's about 40 technology companies on the island employing about 5000 people so there are a lot of jobs, there are a lot of opportunities. So we've got to get the message out to young people that, you know, they, they can have aspirations to to develop and, and stay here if they want to. So here's a question. I mean, how much flying do you do? And 
how much do you sort of sit on the aircraft thinking, oh, no, I don't like that headphone jack? Or do you fly on the aircraft that you've kitted out? I've cut back recently. You know, I used to be on a plane all the time. Typically, again, going over to the West Coast of the US. Yeah, I would do that. And I still do. I sit there and go, OK, whose system have they got here? And, you know, is that any good? Or, or if it's our product, you know, I'm checking it to see if it's working and I want to know why not. And, but those things, those sort of things get a bad rap because, you know, the little sockets are not designed to go in a public space. Not really. And so, you know, we do our best to make them as reliable and robust as possible. But there's only a limit. There's a limit to what you can do. Do you have to do the software behind it as well, or is it just hardware? So, I mean, most of those things are uh, mostly hardware, but uh, a lot of the products we do include software quite a bit. Like the lighting must have to be The lighting's all software controlled, you know, wireless control, which is kind of cool. We also developed a payment system as well, contactless payment system, which is very, very neat because contacts payment devices use wireless but aircraft don't really like wireless yeah so when you've got 300 of those on a plane that are all radiating emitting then you could have a problem with getting a certification to to allow the plane to fly so it's a delicate balance so that's where all the technology comes in so that's that's the cool bit I'm just imagining your offices. Are you the Google of the Isle of Wight? Is it a cool, hip, trendy place to work? It's quite nice. Um, <laughs> we were very fortunate. So the building we're in used to be uh, owned by a company called Artigiano, who made, uh, they're a fashion company, yeah, Italian fashion. And they had spent a lot of money renovating it and making it into this quite a cool space, yeah. For an engineering company... It's normally inside some old shed. Um, it, it's quite a neat place, yeah. Very and nice. what kind of hours do people work and do they can they work flexibly? I'm imagining, you know, if the sun's out and people want to go paddle boarding. Is, that, is, is, it, is it that cool and, and hip or is it more of a traditional setup? There's two sides to that, aren't there? I mean, unfortunately, because we're producing stuff, that stuff has to get made and has to go on time. Yes. Um, so there are limits. But we, we do operate flexible working where we can. Since COVID, there's been a lot of home working, you know, remote working. So especially the office-based people, there's quite a bit of that. From production perspective, it, it is flexible, but yeah. to a limit. You know, we need to know, we need to know when people are going to be working when they're not. Yeah, of course. It brings me on to sort of talking about the island tech that we touched on earlier. You've got a group called the Isle of Wight Technology Group, and that brings together all these different companies that you were mentioning. So um, BAE is also one of them, Vestas. How important is that in sort of bringing everyone together and getting all those interests met together? Yeah, really important. I mean, I might say that I'm not chairing that anymore, but I did found it. Yeah. The group, is again it was it was really it was prompted by Andrew Turner previous MP who was concerned about training resources and things like that and so I I set the group up with with a bunch of other companies so the idea is really to share share ideas about trying to approach this issue of training and resources and skills on the island Um, particularly in companies like ours where you know, we've got broad ranges of skills. I mean, you know, um, semi-skilled people, and there's there's a good there's a good supply of people to that level. 
you know, degree qualified engineers are, are hard to come by. And so, you know, the, we talked about the training through the apprenticeship program. You know, that that's become a sort of central part of that whole group because it, it really is, you know, we, we, you, you end up sort of almost, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul by, you know, everybody <laughs> stealing, stealing yeah. people off each other because there's a limited number of people around. But, uh, yeah, the group gets together regularly, um, discusses, you know, problems that they've got, um, resource issues, skills, training, how they, 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 you know, how they all face the same issues. Um, and also talk about things like, you know, if, if somebody's got a machine that somebody else needs to use, then, you know, can we share, you know, can we rent, whatever. So yeah. it's, it's really, and it's just about raising awareness of what's going on on the island because there's so much good stuff going on here. I was about to say there's that sort of brand Isle of Wight and that idea of the Isle of Wight being a bit of a tech hub. Yeah. How do you push that idea beyond beyond the island? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the tricky part, isn't it? Um, you know, we, we, we need to work with, with a lot of different agencies to try and achieve that. You know, there are quite a few people out there trying to, to raise the brand. You know, um, people like Chris Scott and, and Brian Marriott with the White Book, you know, they did a great job with that. And it's covering the whole mm. gamut, you know, not just engineering. I mean, there was, there was tourism everything about the Isle of Wight that was a great showcase food and, yeah all oh, the things we're food, good at, yeah. yeah I mean you know the island the island's so so diverse in in its offer and you know it's not just about tourism it is it is about you know food products produce the, the agricultural side of the island is a major major part and you know you know I personally think that we should be focusing the sort of creative and thought-based industries I think that's where the future is. That's where this country is strong. And I think the island especially has a great future in that area from the art side all the way through engineering, technology. The Isle of Wight brand should be as strong as Cornwall. And from that, I don't mean I don't mean tourism. I mean mm. a place to be, a place to live and a place to be creative. Yeah. And actually, it's why we launched this podcast was so that we could showcase and really kind of looking at all these little pockets of interesting things that people are doing here and trying to get the message out yeah. that this is a place to come and, and be creative. To me, it's about the place, isn't it? You start with the place and then you work out from there. And so this is, you want this to be a place where people want to be and then they can do whatever they want from that point on. You know, you, you don't you don't try and sell it any other way, in, in my view, because that's why I'm here. It's probably why you're here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's you're not here because of your work. You can do what you do now absolutely anywhere. Yeah. And I can do. We we started off yeah. talking about <laughs> you know my business could could or should be you know if if you're looking at traditionally it should be on the west coast of the US. I don't particularly like the west coast of the US <laughs> in terms of you know wanting to live there for the rest of my life. I love the Isle of Wight, but I could live in Scotland, couldn't I? You know, and so. You know, that's that's kind of my view of it. So we, we start with, you know, making making everything about the Isle of Wight as good as we possibly can. There's a part of the podcast where I say, let's go back to life before living here. But the thing about you, Jeff, is that you've 
almost lived here the whole time, but there was a little time, wasn't there, where you where you went and experienced that West Coast of the US lifestyle? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I've, I have spent a lot of time over there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I do enjoy being over there. Back in the 80s, my first wife and I went to live in, uh, actually in Orlando, in Florida. Oh, okay. And uh, went to work for a company called Martin Marietta, who are now Lockheed Martin. And they, they make all sorts of things, lots of military stuff. It was very interesting. Um, what was but, it like living in Florida? I mean, I sort of imagine swamps and alligators. And yeah, it's very flat. Yeah. It's very flat. And it's uh, somewhat, there's sort of some what monoculture there, you know, one type of tree, <laughs> <laughs> lots of grass and very hot. Um, and, and, yeah. and Disney World. And Disney World, yeah, we lived very close to Disney World. It was great for water sports. We used to be out on the water every weekend, water skiing. I was going to say, yeah, wakeboarding, that yeah. kind of oh, thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. I used to, to do that two or three times a week, actually. So, you know, it was great for that and great for travel as well. So we travelled all over the States. So I think at last count, I think I've, I've only not been to four states in the U.S., so, um, yeah, and a lot of that time, you know, a lot of those numbers were when, when I lived there. So, yeah, it was great. But it was time to come home. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, it, there's, there's only so much you can do in, in, a, in a company over in America, really, at that time. We were kind of missing our family. Eventually, yeah, we decided to come home. We looked at where would we come to, um, back to the UK. Couldn't think of anywhere better, really thought yeah go back to the Isle of Wight it's where our roots are and so yeah we came back now you know we've talked about your business and obviously that's a huge part of who you are but I think one of the things that so many people were talking to me about when they were suggesting you for the podcast was thinking about the huge contribution that you've made to the island from a charitable perspective you know looking at this you've been high sheriff which um, is one of those roles which really just means spending an entire year working so hard for different charitable causes on the island. But you also set up White Aid, which a lot of people will have heard of. Um, but if you haven't, it channels business donations into local causes. So it's a kind of an umbrella charity, isn't it? And then works out where the money would be best spent. So what what White Aid about? What was the sort of thinking behind it? So, uh, yeah, the main the main... Uh, sort of thrust of that was that the business IFPL was doing quite well and we we even from day one we'd always given money to local charities I feel strongly that businesses should do that they should have a responsibility to do that Um, and so we were doing fairly well I set up a little charity committee at work and you know each year would say right we've got this much money to to donate to local charities you guys go off and spend it um but then as the business grew the pot was getting bigger and so i started looking for somewhere i could just basically write one check and um couldn't find an organization that met my needs at that time um what i was quite keen to do is i didn't want our money going into any investments I wanted it to flow through, as they call it. So I wanted to give 
X amount of pounds and I wanted that money to go straight out into the community. I see. Okay. Is that uh, a risk when you give to charity that it Well well there there are certain there are some um foundations around that that will take your your donation and do a great job with it. They'll invest it and then use the money to to go to local charities. And that's a great model. Yes. Especially if you're managing, you know, large amounts of money. Um but for me at the time yeah. And we are talking back in 2016. At the time, it wasn't the model that I wanted to follow. Yeah. So um, so I decided to set up my own, which White is White Aid. Aid. Yep. And so the idea is that we, we ask for donations from businesses. Those donations go into a pot. And then every month or so, we get together with the other trustees. So we have six trustees, seven trustees now who sit around a table and look at applications that come in and then decide how to distribute that money. So how much has that grown? So it started in 2016. How mm-hmm. many different organisations are now a member? Yeah, so we have um, roughly 20 businesses that, that support us, but lots of individuals as well. Um, we, we, we have a lot of a lot of individual donations. Don't actively go out and seek individual right. donations, but but we, we really try to encourage businesses with the idea that, you know, we'll take all the work, we'll do all the legwork. Um, they can choose what sort of area they'd like money to go to. So if they were wanting to go to young people or sports or ageing well or those sort of themes, then then we'll, we'll reserve their money for that. But we're trying to keep the charity as simple as possible. Um, there's only... Uh, as I say, there's seven trustees plus one admin um, that look after everything. Typically, we'll give away £10,000 a month, oh, that okay. sort of level. Yeah. And as you say, you're taking the In a way, you're doing a job for businesses because they don't have to think about it so hard. And they don't have to go through no. tender processes. No, and, and you know, we, 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 we obviously recognise that people have their favourite charities. We don't absolutely do not want to take any money away from that you know our our view my view is i just want business to give so if you're going to give to charity a because you like charity a fill your boots that's fantastic that's what we want but if you're unsure and you'd like to see that money distributed across a wide range of charities on the island then make your donation to white aid and we'll we'll take care of that we'll make sure it's it's you know fairly distributed and typically we support smaller charities. So the ones that don't really have a voice, the ones that don't really have a marketing yeah. uh, budget, um, you know, and it, it's so if, you're, if you're, your turnover is over a million, then typically we won't, we won't give you money. But, you know, if you're small, you know, lean, you need money for specific projects and things like that, then, then we're, help, we're able to help. So I tell you one of the things I I really like about this is I am a trustee of Homestart, which is fabulous. Yeah. yeah, And it's a small charity. And um, I'm also quite well versed in Mountbatten, which is, you know, our biggest biggest charity. And we had Nigel Hartley on the podcast uh, only a few weeks ago. And one of the things I said to him was, you know, it's quite frustrating. I, I sort of as a trustee do the PR and the marketing for Homestart. And I always say I want to have the same brand awareness that Mountbatten has. Hmm. And he made the very good point. But, you know, we demographically on the island, we're an aging population. Yep. So 
Mountbatten has the edge because it's something that everyone can imagine needing. Whereas yeah. Homestart concentrating on young families, they're not going to get the same kind of... It's much of, harder, isn't it? It is much harder. So that's what I love about White Aid is that you're looking at those charities that can't get that reach that Mountbatten has and that don't necessarily, you know, have that direct link with the population that Mountbatten has. Um, so that, I, yeah, for me, that's it's just the most brilliant model. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love Mountbatten. It's an amazing yeah, yeah, charity. Of course. And, 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 and Nigel's a great guy. Yeah. And we can't really make a difference with those guys. And they do have their, their own marketing, yeah, you know, their, very their fundraising. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and great. And, you know, we've just, we've just lost a friend who, who spent some time in there very recently. Yeah. So it's, it's an essential service. It's a, it's a great organisation and wonderful people in there. Really, really do love them. But, yeah, being able to help people like Homestart, you know, we have helped Yay. them. Um, you know, on all those charities on the island that do so much, you know, I'm so grateful. It's fantastic. How many charities are there that you have supported, given money to? So we are up to about, a, it's about 180, 190 charities so far. Island charities. All islands. So, so Whitehead only gives to island charities or charities ha that have a footprint on the Isle of Wight. Do you ever feel any frustration when there are sort of so many charities and they're often doing the same thing? Do you ever have to go to a small charity and say, look, there's already one. Perhaps yeah. you'd be better off teaming up. Yeah, I'm have. interested in we've all had the... that. We've done that. So we, we've, we, we, do some, we do something which I think is quite innovative, that rather than go to each charity and, and present a cheque, we invite the charities that are recipients that month to IFPL into our boardroom and so they send one or two people so we'll have eight or eight or ten charities represented we also invite one of our donor companies to come as well and meet them so those charities can all sit in a room meet us we can meet them they can meet each other and they can hear their own each of their stories and understand what they're doing do you try and cluster them into sort of nope they just come yeah. you know it's it's that month yeah but we do make that connectivity between Good, different yeah. charities and we have had two sets of ch charities that do the same thing have joined up because they're doing this they're oh, doing good. the same work and you, you're dead right there there are quite a lot um i think the smaller ones it's hard for them to know you know they're so busy they're so focused on what they're doing that actually sometimes having an event like that where they can come together and go oh you'll do this oh i do that too okay Let's let's work together. So you know, it, it it's good. The other thing I'm interested in is the tender process because yeah. we find it, you know, in in terms of paying staff at Home Start, which takes up a lot of money, um, if they if to receive grants, the the application process can can take weeks yeah. to fill out. There's so much paperwork and. Yeah. It's the same with awards. There are lots of wonderful community and voluntary sector awards, but and I'm responsible for, for filling all this stuff out. It's really time consuming and for the staff as well to give me the information. Do you try and keep that trimmed down? Is that something you talk about? We, we do. Um, we we will always help. So if, if a charity wants, you know, is looking for, for a donation of support, um, you know, they only have to drop us an email or call us and we'll, we'll do our best to hold their hand. Um, we have two levels. So, People can apply for up to five thousand pounds, and there's a there's an online process that they can do. Um, used to be quite complicated. 
It's funny, we thought it was simple. And then somebody, I think it <laughs> You're was... You're engineers though, aren't you? <laughs> well, I think... It, no, it wasn't me who did that. But uh, um, we had Lisa from Independent Arts one day took me to one side and she said, Jeff, you know your application process are really bloody difficult. <laughs> and I said, oh, God, I'm really sorry. And we, she, she reviewed it. And sure enough, it was it was quite onerous. Yeah, because that's what of, I'm talking about. Yeah, because of the paperwork yeah. involved. So we've absolutely... I went through and slashed oh, that. Oh, that's good to hear. And so things like supplying all your memorandum of articles of association, all of those, yeah. which we, ha- we used to ask you to send in the post. Oh, no. It's like, why would you do that? <laughs> so all we need is your charity number, and then we can go online and look at that. We can look at your accounts. We can look at your people. We can do all that, that due diligence and you don't have to send reams of paperwork. So we've we've cut that whole process down. It's a, it's it, it requires you to fill in a form online, but it's relatively simple. If you can't fill it in in online, give us a call. We'll help. And then for under five hundred pounds, oh, it's really simple. It's basically a form that says you know how much do you want, what do you want it for. And, and we like to know what the outcome is. I spoke to Alan Marriott about you. So Alan was Don't a guest. Don't believe a word of it. <laughs> Alan was a guest on the podcast in series one. Um, he has just retired, sadly, as editor of the mm-hmm. County Press after a huge career there, long career there. And he is one of the many people who suggested that I talk to you. So I'm just going to tell you what he said about you because there is an idea for your future in here. He says the island is lucky to have him as he wants to see the place succeed and be the best it can be, which I think we've definitely got a flavour of from this interview. Jeff is so impressive as an islander because he cares so deeply about the place. If the island was to have a mayor, he is the person I would most like to see in the role. God help the Isle of Wight, that's all I say. <laughs> no, I don't you we... don't fancy mayor of the Isle no, of Wight. You've I been don't. high sheriff. I've so... been high sheriff and, and, and yes, I'm... I'm... <laughs> No, I'm. I'm. <laughs> that's very nice of them to say that. I think he was trying to set me up. <laughs> well, we'd, we're, we're probably not that close to having a mayoral system. You'll be. You'll be relieved to hear. But I think that love for the island and that wanting to give back to the community has just come through so strongly in this interview. Thank so we'll you. move into the final section. Um, we ask all of our guests a quick fire round of five things about the island, which I'm hoping you'll have some good answers because obviously you know it better than anyone. Are you ready? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite tricky, actually, because I listened to your podcasts. Good. And listened <laughs> That's to a good start. M- many of the other answers, and, <laughs> and they've stolen some of my better ideas. So uh, Yeah, well, we, have, we never tell listeners this, but we have banned a few answers now. Because, yeah. <laughs> so, and one of them, we said, you can't say walking the dog for your favourite activity, because it's just, we've had, we had too many people. God, um, that's, but that's it, isn't it? The Isle of Wight is I know, is, is I know, dog world. It's you, fantastic. Yeah, you've got to think outside the box. Okay. Jeff, number one, your favourite place to grab a bite to eat. Okay, so my favourite place for food was uh, Stolen, which was Castle Haven. Um, <laughs> but uh, somewhere we really love to go for an amazing breakfast is Chessel Pottery Cafe. That's a new one. Yes, out towards uh, towards Freshwater, just past Cowborn. And it's, it's fabulous. They do a great breakfast a uh, great bunch of people run it, and uh, if people are into their cycling, it's it's where all the cyclists go. Good place to stop. Yeah. Okay, number two, your favourite beach. Favourite beach has to be Brook. Nothing better than Amy, myself, and Mavis are 
and maybe the grandkids and my son will having a good old walk down on the beach there at sunset. Amazing views. Yeah, just absolutely wonderful. the best. Number three, your number one island activity and no walking the dog. Okay, no walking. Well, that's that. You made it really hard, but uh, <laughs> and and this is something I don't do anymore. But I did for quite a few fifteen or more years, which is paragliding. <gasps> and oh. the island has a great paragliding community. Lots of places to to fly. It's just a wonderful activity. It's uh, yeah, yeah. So I would say paragliding. Where do you take off from? So there are a whole load of places to take off from. Um, mostly you'll see the guys flying off the sort of south side of the island, um, southwest of Bryston, up on the downs there, or maybe Chillerton, that sort of area. But there's also the coast, so you can fly from basically from freshwater all the way down to Black Gang and all the way back again. And uh, yeah, nothing beats that. Wow, well, we did ask for an original answer and we certainly got one. Um, number four, which island charity is closest to your heart? Well, I can't answer that, can I? I, <laughs> I can answer that. It's, it's each time we make a, a, a grant, we meet new charities, pretty much. We're always meeting new charities. So it's the charity that we meet the new, every new charity, <laughs> because I'm just blown away by people's passion and commitment for, for doing good things on the island. So it's, it's yeah, it's changing every month. So I think we could probably safely say closest to your heart as a, as a charitable organisation would be White Aid. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there, there are just so many. I mean, what are there? Something like 500 charities on the island? It's it's amazing. Number five, your hidden gem somewhere off the beaten track. Okay, so I mean there are lots and lots on the island, and and again your other guests have stolen a few of the really great <laughs> I ideas. I, I I'm going to go for something that's a little bit different, um, and a lot of your listeners may not have it may not even know about it. If you're if you're you know, born and raised on the island, you might know, but it's Newport Roman Villa. Oh. It's tucked away, I think it's Cypress Road, um, not far from M&S. And it's, uh, it's this little Roman villa. It's in pristine condition. Everybody's heard of braiding, which is say, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's much smaller. But it's, it's tucked away behind a row of houses in Newport. And I, I believe it's run by the council. I'm not sure. But it's a, it's a little gem. It's a little gem. Oh, there we go. I hadn't heard of that. So that's a fantastic answer. Jeff, thank you so much. It's been amazing to get to know you better and to hear your island story. If you want more island news, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, 5-stories.co.uk. I'm Harriet Hadfield. My producer is Alex Warren. You'll find us on Instagram, Island Stories Podcast. This season, we are fortnightly, so we'll have another episode for you in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>